Welcome to the Sanctuary Church. I am so thrilled that you are here on Valentine's Day. What a great day to be in the house of God with God's people. On this love day, I would like to share a Valentine's story with you. A woman woke up one morning. She turned to her husband and said, Honey, I just had a dream that you bought me a coach purse. What do you think it means? Well, he answered, I don't know, but Valentine's Day is coming. Then you'll know. A few nights later, she woke up and she had another dream. She told him, this time I dreamed that you bought me a brand new iPhone. What do you think it means? You know, I think you're going to find out on Valentine's Day. That's when you're going to see. The morning of Valentine's Day, she woke up again and said, look, I have had another dream. Based on last night's dream, I must have been really good this past year. This time, I dreamed that you bought me a Louis Vuitton purse. Her husband responded with a big smile on his face. Honey, please, please, please be patient. You'll know tonight. That evening, the husband came home with a package, gave it to the wife, delighted. She opened it and found a book entitled The Meaning of Dreams. <laughs> I've got a feeling that wife was not happy with her Valentine gift. Today will be part two of last week's sermon series entitled, Love Won't Let Me Down. Now, last week we spoke about the love that God has for each and every one of us. It's impossible to measure the amount of love that God has for you, that God has for me. Each one of us, we are significant in the sight of the Lord. Amen. He, he places great worth in us today. We're significant. Therefore, we ought to live as though we are his children, the sheep of his pasture. In fact, we ought to live as though we are children of the king. His love for us, it is truly amazing. There's nothing that can keep us from God's love. Our focus passage for this series gives us a clearer picture of God's love. It shares why we love and whom we should love. It calls us to love God and calls us to love one another. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 reads, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God had sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Last week, we discussed how God's love can transform us to be what he's calling us to become, what he's called us to be. You see, when we truly grasp God's love, we will love him and love what 
he loves. And because of that, love is really the true mark of Christianity. We read in John chapter 13 and verse 35, Jesus told his followers, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you wonder what is a true sign of being a disciple? Love each other. Love was the distinctive mark, the distinctive characteristic of the early Christian community. And so today I'm going to preach on this thought. Love won't let me down. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. We talked about this last week. It wasn't faith. It wasn't doctrine, not even miracles. But love would be the true proof that they were disciples of Jesus Christ. Loving God and loving others is what made the church an unstoppable force on the earth. Not that everything else isn't important. That's not what I'm talking about. But love would be the key to draw people to the message, this message of hope and deliverance. To be a true disciple is not aligning with a Christian church or a Christian movement or even a Christian name, but it's being transformed by the Holy Spirit into a person whose heart is full of God's love, full of love today, full of the love for Jesus, love for others, both believers and non-believers. So today, Let's discuss what it means to really, truly love God and really, truly love our neighbors. Matthew 22 and verse 35, it reads, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. All the law and the prophets. When Jesus talked about the greatest commandment of all, he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, and verse five. Then he added the second greatest commandment that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's something important here that I think people often miss. It's an important point I'd like to make before we go really any further with this topic. You can't give away something that you don't have in you. You can't give away something that you don't have inside of you today. How do you love someone, another person, if you don't love yourself? Can't give away something that you don't have. For me, in other words, to receive and give love, I must consider myself worthy of love. Now look, that doesn't mean that I'm perfect or certainly that I, I have it all together. It means that I must love myself despite 
my imperfections or even my personality quirks. It simply means that because I'm created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, that I am valuable. Although I've not arrived where I need to be, I am certainly making progress. Jesus died for us because we have weaknesses, because we have imperfections. If we were already perfect, all right, well, there would simply be no need for Calvary, right? I mean, if we were already perfect, there would have been no need for the cross. And Calvary should really be the greatest proof to us. We are made worthy of love. God He does not reject us because of our shortcomings today, and neither should we. He wants us to love ourselves. That really is the foundation for all other relationships. It's how we begin the process of loving others, by first accepting and loving ourselves. We all need humility and a pure heart that is willing and able and ready to repent when needed. But can we be comfortable and secure in the person that God created us to be? Can we just simply be okay with us today? Because God wants us to grow and shape us in his image today. He wants to grow us. He wants to shape us in his image today. Here's something I want us to think about from that passage If the greatest thing in this life is to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, then the greatest sin in the world must be not doing it. The greatest thing in this life is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Then the greatest sin in the world must be not doing it. Does that make sense? If we keep going further into this train of thought into this passage. If the second greatest commandment then is to love my neighbor as myself, then the second greatest sin in the world must be not loving my neighbor as myself. First John chapter four in verse 20 reads, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? I mean, John, he's pretty plain here, right? I mean, if we can't love each other, then do we really even love God? We we don't have God's love in us. Because if we really fall in love with the Lord, heart, soul, and mind completely, then we will have a love for others. True love for God causes us to love others. And that kind of love, my friend, is an unstoppable force that will transform our world. What does it mean to love our neighbor as ourselves? First of all, love comes from the heart, right? I mean, it, love absolutely, without a doubt, it comes from the heart. Loving God means having a hunger, a genuine hunger for him. It means loving God more than the trivial things that fill and consume our lives. 
So that abundant life that Jesus promised, well, it begins when we fall deeply in love with the Lord, when we love deeply from our heart. Jesus said that love is the most important of all commandments. That's what's so interesting, really, about this passage. You can't fulfill this second commandment to love your neighbor as yourself without first fulfilling the first commandment, which is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second commandment is the visible expression of the first commandment. I want to share that one more time. The second commandment, it is the visible expression of the first commandment. What's the essential point that God wants for us? Having a life that loves God and loves other people. Real love that it becomes a choice that we make every single day. Will I take the time and the effort to love others? Now, Maybe you're thinking, you know, well, what about that coworker? What about that family member? You might be wondering if God, well, he's testing you in this area. You may be thinking, God, you're really trying to make me prove how much I love you. But here's the bottom line. You've got to love them, period. That person you don't like, you've got to love them. You've got to grow in this area. We've got to learn to love folks. Second, Peter 3 and 9 shares that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Be kind to people, for the Lord, he's kind to us. Be patient, for the Lord is patient with me. Be forgiving for the Lord is forgiving of us. Be understanding for the Lord is understanding of me. You see, I don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve God's mercy. Knowing God loves me beyond my fault, well, it ought to compel me to love others in the same manner. When I'm dealing with an especially difficult individual. I've got to remember, okay? I've got to remember how many times have I frustrated the Lord. And guess what? Even in that frustration, Jesus still loves me and he still loves you. It's time to love others with the love that has been freely given to us to allow the unstoppable love of God to flow through us and bless others. When genuine love is in our hearts, then that love calls for action. That's the kind of love it calls for action. This means you do something about it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's really a radical command. You see, the statement, it cuts to the root of our sinfulness and it exposes it. You see, humanity, well, we've got this powerful instinct of self-preservation and self Fulfillment. We all want to be happy, right? We all want food for ourselves, a place to live, protection from violence, friends that like us and able to spend time with them. We want our life to matter, to count in some way. 
Jesus starts here because it is common for every individual, common for all of us. He starts with what we were all born with. He calls us to redeem that instinct for his kingdom. He calls us each to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Unfortunately, there isn't any fine print that says only love your nice neighbor. <laughs> uh, oh, not don't love your crazy family member or, or you know, or your, your upbeat coworker only. Just, just love that person. No, that's not the fine print that's recorded in scripture. Loving your neighbor as yourself simply means as you long for food, long to feed your neighbor when he is hungry. As you pursue safety, seek comfort and security for your neighbors as well. As you desire friends for yourself, so be a friend to your neighbor. As you want your life to be significant, so desire the same significance for your neighbor. In other words, make your self-seeking the measure of your self-giving. Allow what you feel on the inside, your self-seeking, allow that to be the measure of your self-giving. If I want something for me and mine, I should want it for you and yours. Let me share this for a moment here. Let me love God the way he's calling me to love. Let me love others the way he's calling me to love others. Let me love others the way I love myself and my own. Matthew 7 and 12, it reads, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We call this the golden rule. Why? Maybe because if we live by this principle, our lives would be golden. Not exactly sure. But too often we measure our needs differently than the needs of others. And we certainly measure our sins differently than the sins of others. If someone does something to offend us, we feel entitled that we are able and should hold a grudge against them. But if we do something to hurt somebody else, well, then we're seeking grace and mercy on the spot from that person. Every person in this room today, everybody outside the room, everybody, we all need forgiveness. We all need God's grace. If I need it, I better be quick to extend it to someone else. Because that's the real action that we're called to do when we love one another. I must be willing to love people who will never be able or willing to love me back. I must bless people who will never bless me in return. I shouldn't reserve my greatest smiles and kindest gestures for only those who can repay me in kind. I should love everyone no matter what. It's simple to understand. I mean, it makes sense to understand, but I know without a doubt, and I know you're, you're thinking about this as well, it is so hard to apply this. I must love all people the way I love myself. And loving people as God loves them happens when we apply and live out God's word. 
Genuine love, it starts on the inside. It calls us to action. And this love fulfills God's purpose in me. This love, well, it fulfills God's purpose in me. What is then our big purpose? To put it in a nutshell, our mission as a church, it must be to love God and share that love with everyone around us every single day. There are several ways we can distinguish a living church from a dead church. Living churches are constantly changing while dead churches don't have to change. Living churches are constantly improving for the future, but dead churches worship the past. Living churches move out in faith. Dead churches operate totally by human sight. Living churches focus on people, but dead churches focus on programs. Living churches are filled with givers. Dead churches are filled with tippers. Living churches dream great dreams from the Lord. Dead churches relive nightmares. Living churches, they evangelize. Dead churches, they fossilize. God help us every single day to remain a living church, to remain true to what God has called us to be, to be light in the darkness, hope to the hopeless, a place of healing for those that need restoration in their life. When we love God and love others, we will seek out ways to demonstrate that love by serving in his kingdom. Dr. Martin Luther King once shared, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. Serving is love in action. Did you know that minister the word minister simply means to serve. As Christians, we are called to be ministers because we're called to be servants of the Most High. When we serve like Jesus did, we fulfill his purpose for us to feed his sheep. I don't want to get on the other side of glory to find out that my priorities were all wrong. I don't want to live my life spending it on myself, building a kingdom for my own and my own ways while ignoring those who Jesus loves so dearly. I don't want to be found asking, like those hearing the parable of the Good Samaritan, who is my neighbor, I want to serve and love and humbly extend God's love to all humanity, even those who are considered the least of these. Jesus' passionate plea in Matthew 25 rings loudly in my mind. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger naked or sick or in prison 
and did not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. I want to commit my life to love, period. I want to commit my life to love, period. No barriers, no lines of division, no demarcations in my heart. I don't have to agree with you to love you. I don't have to understand your actions to serve you. I can choose to bless you and extend God's grace to you, God's love, regardless of our differences. Because when we love and serve like Jesus did, it fulfills his purpose in our lives. And when we serve like Jesus did, the world, well, it wakes up and it takes notice too. Our acts of love and compassion show others that our faith is genuine, helps them trust us when they are in need because they are able to trust our motives. Christian love is more than what we do or say or believe. Christian love, it is a lifestyle. It's how I live my life Monday through Saturday, not just how things look like on a Sunday morning. No, it's how I live my life every single day. What an amazing witness to the world we can offer when we live a lifestyle of love. Our world is lost. Our world is broken and lonely with so many who are desperate, so many in despair. But I promise you, a community of amazing love is irresistible to an unbelieving world. Let's be committed then to the Great Commission by obeying the Great Commandment. Let's spread the gospel message through our lifestyle of loving God and loving others. As I bring this to a close, I want you to take this knowledge home with you today. You can't fulfill the second commandment to love your neighbor as yourself without first fulfilling the first commandment to love God all your heart, soul, and mind. The second commandment, it is the visible expression of the first commandment. Dave Middleberg in the book, Building a Contagious Congregation, asks, do we sincerely believe that knowing Christ is the best way to live and the only way to die? I sincerely believe that knowing Jesus, it is the best way to live and it is the only way to die. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt today and I'm willing to stake my todays and even my eternity on Jesus Christ. You see, someone invited me to come and see. I was this little kid. Someone invited me to church and said, hey, I'd love to teach you about Jesus. My life, it was forever changed because of that act of love. Someone took interest in me, made a difference in me and for my entire family. Think of it this way. 
no one extended love to me, none of us would be sitting in this room today or watching this sermon online. Since that watershed moment in my life, I have never looked at the world the same way. I've never looked at people the same way as well. As well. I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. I've wanted my life to count for something the same way that someone loved me. I want to give that love back to someone else because I could genuinely see the love they had for me. That's the kind of compassion for others that I believe that we need today. Loving people into the kingdom of the Lord, helping them to see that Jesus is the answer for our deepest yearnings and toughest questions. We can carry our brothers and sisters when they are weak by our love for them. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray specifically for needs today. If you want to grow deeper in your faith in the Lord, maybe you've never made a start. Maybe you've believed in Jesus, but you need to commit yourself, dedicate your life to the Lord. There's no greater time for a clean slate right here and right now. If you've never asked the Lord to be Lord in your life today, never asked God to forgive you of your sins, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sin or receive the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Evidence was speaking in another language. Today is your day to enter into covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Today is the day to make him Lord and Savior in your life. You need to make a commitment to the Lord today. Can you right now take a moment, surrender your life to Jesus? We're going to pray here in a moment. Maybe you've lived for the Lord for some time. Maybe you've got to need something that's going on on the inside. Perhaps for whatever reason, we've lost sight of our first love. We're struggling with loving people. Today is the day for a fresh start to forgive ourselves, to forgive someone else, to press forward forward in Jesus Christ. Can you trust the Lord right now to be made real in you that he's going to be greater than anything that you're about to face today or in the moments and days ahead? Can we right now begin to pray, begin to seek the face of God? Amen. I believe today, Lord Jesus, you're able to renew something in us that transform us from the inside out. Today is our God-appointed moment with you. Our destiny is greater today our past today. I thank you for healing. I thank you, God, for forgiveness. Lord, do what only you can do on the inside. Forgive us, God. Transform us from the inside out. We are so grateful and thankful for all that you have done. I believe you've got a great work for us to accomplish. Therefore, Lord Jesus, I pray, let our hearts be saturated in faith. Let us love you and love one another. Let us Put our focus upon you and the things of your kingdom right now. Transform us as we surrender our all to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.
I know the Lord has heard your prayer and God is ministering to you right now. Amen. I'm so grateful. If you surrender to Jesus today, would you fill out a connect card on our website? Would you share it in the comments right now? Let us know how we can support you. If you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, you want to be part of a Bible study, want to be connected to a small group, would you let us know? We are here for you. We want to be a part of your life. We want to support you as you grow in faith. Amen. Can we just take a moment and celebrate all that Jesus is doing, all that the Lord has done right now. We're going to worship the Lord now and let's begin to praise Him and thank Him for what He is about to accomplish in your life, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.